You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and www.thefireplacechurch.org. Now, with the thefireplacechurch.org, something unique is happening. We are going to be experimenting this weekend, meaning we're not going to actually be streaming it on our fireplacechurch.org uh, website. We are going to be meeting in WebEx. That is our web conferencing platform that we use for all of our uh, conferences. And the cool thing is, is that it's going to be live and it's going to be uh, me there leading and talking about what we're going to be getting into on Sunday evening at 7 p.m. And uh, it's going to be a very uh, engaging environment where instead of uh, which, what we've been doing, you're going to watch a production followed by um, moderated groups. You're going to actually be in a big, large group with me and other people, and we're going to have dialogue, and we're going to have fun, and we're going to pass around popcorn that you buy in your own house because we're not actually in the same place physically. But it's going to be a good time, guys, and um, we're going to be sending direct links to all of you that went on our website, bridemovement.com, and clicked the button for the Fireplace Church Live under Classes and Events and told us you wanted to be there. Um, for those of you that are not deciding to do that, but you are uh, wanting to enjoy the Fireplace Church, we will have another service that is produced next week. Um, not this weekend, but the following weekend. And uh, that'll be our last one, actually, our last produced service, the way we've been doing it for a little while. Um, 
And so that is the update. Be sure if you want to be part of those groups, you go to classes and events on bridemovement.com and tell us, hey, I would like to be there. And we will have uh, an email to you. Now, um, we have a new P.O. Box. P.O. Box 835661. And that is in Richardson, Texas, 75083. So we have moved. I've moved. I have a new location. A lot of transition in my own life, you know. Um, I, for those of you that don't know, have been engaged since um, November of last year. I don't talk about my personal life too much on this program. Um, I'm telling you guys, you know, the the cat's really out of the bag since this last conference we had just last weekend at Sheep Nations. But I have married my fiancé, and so the love of my life, Christian and I, are now living in our new home. Um, I am living in a new location with my new wife, and we are very happy. And so, you know, um, things have shifted quite a bit. And, you know, I'm just praising God for new things. And, and, you know, it's really cool in the area we're living in now that we're just making all kinds of connections. And so there's some shifts that are, are, are we're feeling in the spirit now. Um, God is definitely doing some cool stuff. Now, uh, with that said, I am still looking for an assistant. And now that I'm settled in a new area, I'm actually going to be taking applications or, you know, interest in that Um I am in the Richardson, Texas area, which is basically Dallas. So if you happen to be a listener in this area and you happen to be interested in doing some part-time work with Bride Ministries as my assistant, um, I would actually prefer someone that's local to the area. Um, get a hold of me and uh, you, you could just write us at info at thefireplacechurch.org and um, let me know. Uh, you can also just reach out to us through our websites. Now, With that said, today is actually going to be a blast from the past. I did an interview uh, about a year ago with Justin Fall on his program, The Fourth Watch, and I'm actually just going to be re-airing that program on my podcast uh, because, well, this week has been quite hectic, and so we will be re-engaging with fresh and new material next week, but with that said... Um, other than that, you know, I'm going to be traveling, guys. Uh, so here's the deal. I'm, I'm actually going to be in Fort Worth the first weekend in August, August 4th and 5th. And you can get details about that at www.filledwithlightbeings.com. Uh, Mimi Salinas has invited me and also a gentleman I had on my program a while back. You may remember the name Tim Bentz. Well, we're both going to be sharing in Fort Worth. And if you would like to be a part of that or would like details, go to www.filledwithlightbeings.com and um, look at upcoming events there and you'll find it. And you can reach out to Mimi and, and that'll be great. I'm going to be in Toronto the following weekend in August, August 10th, 11th, and 12th, and that will be with Ecclesia of Burning Ones, and 
Um, they have a website you can check out at www.ecclesiaofburningones.com and you can also get their contact information there. If you would like to see me and you live in the Canada area, specifically Toronto, um, that's how you can do it. Just wait until August uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th and I will be there. I am scheduled to do seven sessions including a question and answer. So uh, look forward to hopefully meeting some of you in Toronto the weekend after that. We will be doing our Sheep Nations Part 2 conference. Can you believe August is going to be a busy month, you know? So anyway, all of that is there for you. I just want to say thank you for those of you that continue to support us financially. Now, if you had sent anything to our old P.O. box, it will be getting sent back to you. And um, please, you know, if you have been supporting us by what you've been sending us in the mail, just change that P.O. box number. And again, it's the new one, 835-661 Richards in Texas, 75083. And uh, we would just continue to so gratefully receive all of your support. You know, at Bride Ministries, we have a continual uh, agenda that goes uh, to, to expand the kingdom of God. Uh, our vision is always much more expansive than what we are doing in the present. We are always reaching to do more, to build more, to grow more, to do things better. And so your support makes that possible. It also makes it possible for us to continue to underwrite survivors that apply for help. Well, we have a, a, a list of survivors that are waiting for underwriting for some coaching hours that's years long at this point. And um, we just believe in God. We are just believing God for that provision. And so, you know, as we can, we are blessing survivors with opportunity for help that otherwise can't afford it. And your support of Bride Ministries is allowing us to do these things and uh, also continue this podcast and so on and so forth. So with that said, I'm done. I have nothing else to say at the moment. God bless you. Thank you for listening to us. And I'll see you on the other side. to the fourth watch how are you tonight hey justin i'm doing really good thank you thank you for having me on the program i'm really excited i think uh we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight amen uh, technically i should be welcoming you back um many people don't know this but we set out to record this very show two weeks ago had major demonic interference caused physical property damage to the studio computer uh j- unbelievable stuff took place and it was right as we really started getting into the meat. I mean, we really, we started getting into the meat right when we started. So <laughs> I guess that's what happens when two like-minded people get together. It's just like right into it. So um, tonight we're talking about water spirits. And some people are going to hear the, 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 the title water spirits. And they're going to say, wow, this is a little out there. But we're going to prove tonight that water spirits are biblical. We're going to get into an understanding of what exactly the principalities are that we're dealing with here. We're going to talk about some cases from Nigeria, from some different different parts of the world, but we're going to be getting into the Bible side of it as well. A lot of just information that we're going to find here tonight, and uh, I, I really hope people will pray about these things. Matter of fact, we just prayed, and it's always my prayer that everyone who listens to the show 
will have eyes to see and ears to hear in all that they do and test every spirit. We are living in those days, Dan, and I know you agree with me on this, where if we don't test every spirit, there's going to be many opportunities for deception to roll upon us. Oh, plenty. So there's a lot of, a lot of deception masquerading around, Justin. That is true. Amen. So you wrote a book. We're just going to kind of start off kind of, I want to let everybody know if they're not familiar with you. You've written a book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm, and you devoted an entire chapter in your book to water spirits. Yes, I did. Justin, you know, thanks so much again for having me on your program. Uh, there's so many things, I think, that are coming to the surface at this point in history. It just requires Christians to break out of their little box of, oh, this is where I stop all of my understanding of how things work and how things run. And anything outside of my little, you know, cookie cutout over here is just got to be wrong or got to be irrelevant to anything of God. Justin, there, there are so many people having strange experiences and asking the why question that it's no longer okay for the church to just be like, oh, you saw a UFO, you just made that up. Oh, you heard voices in your head, you just made that up. Oh, you were experienced poltergeist activity in your house where your cabinets were slamming open and shut while you were trying to sleep, you just made that up. There's so much going on and it's it's just proliferating all of this activity. No, people are not making it up. And the, the subject of water spirits is one of those things where, believe it or not, there are testimonies from all around the world of this kind of issue. And we, just like with all the other stuff I just brought up, can't just say everyone's just making it all up. And so in my endeavor to understand some of the things, not only on the dark side, uh, try, trying to help people to overcome the demonic influences coming against them that they can't explain, but also from the God side. What are the mechanics that allow us as Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, to engage a spirit realm created by the God we serve and not the God of this world that we're against? Uh, how do we do that properly and in right alignment with biblical revelation? So I took a long journey with God and cataloged a lot of what the Lord led me to in that book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm. It, it really serves as a breakdown of the mechanics of a lot of the things that occur in the Spirit Realm from a biblical perspective. It's really a tool of equipping. But in the process of getting all this information out, I get into a number of subjects that, well, people are probably uncomfortable about. And that's okay. I, I don't have a problem with that. One of them is water spirits. And the thing about water spirits, Justin, is, is that it seems as though various spirits have different areas of the spirit realm that they report to. Not all spirits report or have the same base of operations. And it seems very clear to me that one of those bases of operations just so happens to be in the waters. Now, I'm going to just take a little step back here and say, you know, my background, Justin, I'm half Puerto Rican and half Haitian. Haitian meaning from Haiti. My dad's actually from the island of Haiti, which is shared. Uh, Haiti is on one side. The Dominican Republic is on the other side. And 
a lot of people equate Haiti with a couple of things, uh, one of them being voodoo. And you know, believe it or not, voodoo, this cult belief system, it's looked at as a type of religion, involves spirits, and they call them Iwa. The interesting thing about these spirits, Justin, I don't know if you knew this, is that when they come and they talk to people and possess people and do the various things, they tell people that they come from cities under the sea. Oh, yes. That actual report coming from the Iwa, the spirits themselves, is that, well, we live and habitate in, in cities under the sea. Ile Ife is a big one. Vilokan is another one. There's two major cities that are referenced by these spirits that the voodoo practitioners are in, engaging. And the interesting thing is that everyone, you know, they, they might want to poke fun at voodoo or say, oh, yeah, that's just hokey pokey stuff or whatever, until they actually meet someone that's into voodoo and then they, they get freaked out. This is, oh, this is bad stuff. Justin, voodoo is bad stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's really it's proliferating right now in America. Matter of fact, I cut my teeth on the research of voodoo about two years ago. Uh, I've got a friend who fights voodoo and various forms of witchcraft, Santeria, in Miami. Uh, and, and the testimonies he has are unbelievable. I mean, they are constantly trying to curse him, put spells on him. There's uh, sacrificed animals in the middle of the street, which, by the way, after the Mario boat lift took place. Many people remember the story of the Mario boat lift. Uh, it was actually portrayed in the movie Scarface. That's a real historical event that took place, bringing people from Cuba over to Miami. And obviously you get to different regions and the voodoo practices are going to be slightly different. But the bottom line is that they're still dealing with a hierarchy of demons. That's right. There, there is a hierarchy of demons. And so as, as I was getting into this, Justin, I, I start off by basically just pointing out this one verse in Revelation 16.5 that I believe uh, seals the deal on the whole concept of spirits being associated with water. It says in Revelation 16.5, and this is John, the apostle writing, I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast, and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. And, and Justin, what the Bible clearly says there is that there is an angel of God, and this angel's assignment area is the water. Now, if God's angel can receive an assignment area in the water, why can't the devil's agents receive assignment area in the water? There's a counterfeit for everything. There's no way to argue that God does not associate spiritual activity with the water after you read this verse. Now, I, I, this is really important. Uh, the fact is that this is one of those verses that you read it and there's really no way of trying to reverse it. That's a problem we see in the modern church is that people like you and I, we come out with a supernatural view of Scripture, which is the way that it was intended to be read. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we cannot understand the Scripture except we have the Holy Ghost. Fact is, the Holy Ghost is the author of the Scripture. We cannot understand Scripture properly if we're denying the supernatural value and context in which it was given. So that's, that's another problem we have in the church today. But when you read this verse, Dan... When you read this verse, it specifically says, angel of the waters. And I want to remind people, the revelation, although many many translations will say the revelation of St. John the Divine, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave this revelation to John. That's right. And we cannot deny what it says. It's the only book that says, hey, read me and you'll be blessed. 
Now, Grant, you will be blessed for reading the whole Bible, but this is the one book that literally starts off by telling you, you will be blessed if you read this. So it's a very valid book. Uh, a lot of a lot of pastors don't want to talk about Revelation because they say, well, we're not going to be here for the tribulation. We don't even need to understand it, which eschatology, that's a whole other discussion for another time. Now, I know you and I, we see eye to eye. We, we believe in the uh, the rapture taking place after the tribulation. But I, I want to make one other point just to kind of back up what you're saying here about angels of the, uh, the angel of the water. When we go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, we, we read this amazing story about these men. There were two men that were possessed with devils, and they're coming out of the tombs. The King James says that they were exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. So, ladies and gentlemen, just picture, you've got these two men that are absolutely possessed with multiple devils. They're coming out of a gravesite, more specifically a tomb. Many of you can't even picture that because you don't know what it's like to be around a tomb, and I'm glad. You know, things are a little different today. You just got graveyards, but these were men in a tomb coming out, possessed with devils, exceeding fierce, so fierce that nobody could even go that way. People would have been freaked out, and they completely fled from that area. But what we see here is Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, has a little bit of a discussion with these two devil or with the, the multiple devils and, and, and the men. And this is what they say to him. They say, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And so Jesus says, go unto them, go. And when they were come out, speaking of the devils, when the devils were come out, they went into the herd of swine and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and it says, and perished in the waters. Justin, it's it's just really, really interesting, this passage. And I I know when the Lord began to open my eyes up to this passage, which, which I, I talk about in my book, Higher Dimensions, because I just pointed out, I said, this, this is clear evidence. You just have to read between the lines and do a little bit of investigative research to get the full picture. This th- This thing just blows the whole conversation open. I mean, and at surface level, this is I've seen Christians take this through several stages. Stage one. Well, I'm just glad I wasn't living back then when Jesus walked the earth, when there were still demons around, because today we don't have them. Ooh. The the thing is, the demons they'll get uncomfortable once they're challenged by the actual power and glory of God. They'll begin to manifest. People will begin to show the. <laughs> The evidence of what is actually afflicting them once the, that, that anointing is present. Because God wants his people free. When, when everyone's quiet, everything's quiet in the church, usually that just means that everyone's comfortable, including the demons. But, okay, so we start there. Some people, they believe there's no demons today. <laughs> Too bad they were back there with, when Jesus walked the earth. But it's a good thing he was around to kick them all out. Amen. Yeah, that's very popular. I just want to validate that totally. I've experienced that same view by multiple people that I've come into contact with. But then there are people that actually do begin to drift off in the power of God, and then they begin to encounter uh, individuals and realize that they do need freedom, and the freedom isn't just simply a renewing of the mind. Let's get a different thought system in place. We will give you some scriptures, and then all your problems go away. They get some scriptures, and the problems don't all go away. Then you begin to pray, and a demon manifests. And when you kick out the demon of lust or alcoholism or some other kind of thing, then suddenly there is deliverance, and the person begins to walk in the freedom that was purchased for them by Jesus Christ. They didn't 
have access to before the deliverance occurred. And, and Justin, one of the things I say is a deliverance. I do a ton of deliverance. I mean, I, day in and day out, all day long, I'm, I'm dealing with stuff. Uh, it is the children's bread. So what, what, what you see there is that people begin to get a revelation. Jesus cast out demons, and in Jesus' name, so can I. In, in the authority of the name of Jesus, so can I. And so we get that far on this story. And we say, okay, so Jesus cast out demons. Amen, there are still demons, and we can cast them out. But God took me to an, uh, the next step, which is, well, let's talk about kingdoms. <laughs> let's talk about the kingdoms of these different spirits. And the, the fascinating thing about this particular situation is that that area of Gadara was inhabited by a group known as the Mukes, and they, in that region, had a temple built to a very specific God. Now, so many years after Jesus walked the earth, everything got leveled. Uh, so, so what they found later was remains. And when I was looking it up, I, I was reading about the, the remains that they found. And they found the remains of a temple. And the temple was built to the Roman God, Jupiter. But this is really fascinating, Justin, because the Roman God, Jupiter, is the Roman counterpart of the Greek god Zeus. But the interesting thing about Zeus is that Zeus is the god that Antiochus Epiphanes served, who was the guy that desecrated the temple during the time of the Maccabean revolt, which was what everyone thought Jesus was talking about when he said, and then they got confused about because when he talked about the abomination of desolation in Matthew 24, in a, in, in a future context, everyone was like, well, didn't that already happen when Antiochus Epiphanes slaughtered a pig in the temple? That was during the Maccabean revolt, years after Daniel's prophecy. Well, that God, Zeus, he loved pigs. Jehovah wanted the lambs and he wanted the, the bulls. Well, Zeus got the pig. And of course, that's the abomination because <laughs> uh, in the Torah, the pig, you, you, you couldn't touch the pig. It was an unclean animal. Well, when you realize that Jupiter is Zeus and that these farmers were raising swine, you realize that, well, those, some of those swine were probably pegged for sacrifice to Jupiter, who is Zeus, just just making some obvious logical conclusions. There's a reason why they were raising pigs in that area, as opposed to maybe goats or some other kind of animal. Well, when the legion came out and knew who Jesus was, they identified Jesus. Th that spirit knew the spirit of God before he manifested into a physical body and recognized him immediately. He said, you're the creator. Uh, have mercy on us. So what did mercy look like to these spirits that were in that region? Well, mercy looked like, don't let us go back to our assignment area with a failed assignment, having nothing to show for ourselves. Let us at least go into the pigs. Why? Well, because they knew that the territorial spirit ruling in that area, which would have been a Zeus spirit or a Jupiter spirit, loved the sacrifice of pigs. So when they went into the pigs, Justin, 
they ran the pigs off the cliff and took a blood sacrifice back with them to their region of operation, which was the water. Now we understand why they ran the pigs off the cliff. Sacrifice and entering back into the sea. It's like a, a dual motion. It was a dual motion. And, and, and that's where you really begin to see, oh, wow, we are actually seeing how spirits that take assignment from the sea engage the real world the life that we experience on the surface. And here's another thing that's really interesting. If you back up just a little bit before they got to Gadara, that was when there was a storm that was threatening the ship. And Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, and they were stilled. Jesus was rebuking them like he would rebuke a spirit. Why? Because the water kingdom was very, very nervous about what Jesus was about to do and where he was going, and, and they tried to stop him. So he rebuked the wind and the waves on his way to Gadara before dealing with the legion that was inhabiting the man. And I, I did not mention that, but that is exactly what happened right before, because he got off the ship. I, I should have given the backstory in the verse. He got off the ship and went straight away to the scenario. It, it's it, it's it's really really interesting, Justin. And you know, one of the things that people would say is, well, what what makes a water spirit a water spirit as opposed to some other kind of demon spirit that doesn't associate itself with the water kingdom? Well, I just say it has something to do with assignment area. And, and really, demonology gets very fancy and very confusing the deeper you dig into it. But I'm going to take a moment now, and I have in front of me one of these, I guess testimonies. And I, I did a lot of reading, Justin, into uh, African witch doctors that turned to Jesus Christ, people that had engaged certain types of water spirits. And if you don't mind, I, I'd like to read a little blurb out of one of these accounts. No, I'd love that. Please do. Yeah, there, there's a book. It's called Rescued from Hell. And the guy's name is Bakajika Moana Nakuba. And he tells an account of how he met, engaged with, and uh, saw things that went on in the kingdom under the water. And so it, it really occurs in this part of his story, and I think chapter three of the book. He said, all of those who were sentenced to death were brought under the earth to be exterminated. That is when I decided to go there to take a look with the permission of the supreme authorities. In order to do this, I had to meet with the queen of the coast on the shore of the Atlantic coast. There we penetrated underneath the ocean, visiting her offices and her servants. One must mention here that the queen of the coast comes to our cities, and this is in Africa, okay, uh, in the physical form to seduce skirt chasers and kidnap them. Those who will have sexual relations with her will find themselves possessed and will be cursed during their entire life. The seductive fashions which young women wear today always come from the queen of the coast. Underneath the earth, I discovered many more things. There were factories where people were busy creating Models of beautiful cars, luxury equipment. When the models are ready, they bring them onto the earth into the physical world to be built. 
There was an electronics factory where televisions, radios, many other household appliances were made. I saw large research and study rooms where great scientists and learned men, this one is crazy, uh, like Einstein <laughs> and Archimedes and others were elaborating and perfecting their inventions and formulas. I visited a building room of three chambers, the black room where victims are executed, the intermediate room where the victim is put into a press to extract the water from its body. The water obtained in this way uh, transits through Lucifer and was sent to the Pope. <laughs> now, this is, real quick, this is taking place inside the hollow earth. Yeah, essentially, he went down under the sea. He was viewing this all from this realm underwater. According, I mean, and of course, this is his testimony. So people could say, hey, I don't believe a word of it. Or people might. But what does he have to gain, though? Well, honestly, this is an African guy and, and nothing against African people. Um, that's not how I meant it to come across. But he's a guy from Africa. He's not some like multi-billion dollar celebrity. This is a guy who got saved out of the witchcraft. This is the guy who got saved out of the witchcraft who was trying to tell his story. Justin, let me tell you something. When you begin to talk to people that have been involved deeply in the occult that come from generational uh, satanic or witchcraft, witch doctor families, their stories shock. They're, they break your worldview into a million pieces. Just smithereens. Yeah. And the funny thing is the more testimonies that one gets and one puts together, the more overlap there is. And all of these things which seemed so strange they couldn't possibly be true seem to be the only logical conclusion because I've concluded. And then as someone that works with people that have been involved in every kind of thing, they can't all be making it up. And they correlate. They correlate. Like, like many of these stories correlate. And if someone's in denial about this stuff, I just want to make a point. Talk to a missionary. You talk to a missionary who's worked in Haiti, worked in Africa. Matter of fact, I've got family friends that are conservative Baptists, extremely conservative Baptists. And they are lifelong missionaries in Haiti. And the stories most people in the church could not handle, let alone try to wrap their head around. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just had to say that. Uh, you know what, Justin? What I have found... I, I really believe this, is that if Paul went to a lot of these churches that uh, are, are dead as a doornail today, but oh, so correct in their doctrine, if he went and began to preach out of his own book, he would likely get stopped, uh, kicked out, and told, um, we appreciate you showing up, Paul, but we prefer our interpretation of what you wrote over yours. Ouch. I'm not kidding, Justin, because Paul walked around. The Bible says the Lord worked strange miracles <laughs> so that even <laughs> the handkerchiefs that came off of his body were laid on people. Demons were driven out and people were healed. Paul was talking about, I know a man who, whether into the body or out of the body, I don't know. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, saw paradise. Paul's whole experience with Jesus was absolutely supernatural, way off the charts, it was nothing natural about his version of being a Christ follower. He was totally engaged in the spirit realm. He was totally engaged in confronting the powers of darkness. He was totally engaged in living a righteous and holy lifestyle. He was totally sold out on this to the point that he said, well, I'm a slave in bonds. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Every On every point. <laughs> and everybody says they want to be like Paul. I hear it all the time. But what people fail to realize is that because of all the great things that God did through Paul, 
because of the power that he had just in dealing with the spirit realm, he had a huge target on his back. Matter of fact, there was a messenger sent from Satan. We're dealing with a fallen angel. And in the Greek, you're dealing with uh, Angelos. Uh, he had a fallen angel of Satan that was sent to buffet him in the flesh. And it kept him, but he still praised God. God's, God's grace was sufficient. And though Paul had a lot of attacks and it kept him from exalting himself because of all the good that God did through him. And so people say they want to be like Paul, but they could not handle the things that Paul had to deal with. It, it, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. And Justin, coming back to the story that this guy wrote, just this portion of his testimony, he went on and, and, and he said, after he got done, you know, explaining what was given to the Pope, he said, you know, this is what they call holy water um, in some of these Roman Catholic churches over in Africa. Then he said um, the victim's body was transferred to a third room called the drying room where they burned it. And the ashes will be added to those of Palm Sundays and will be used to anoint foreheads of the faithful on Ash Wednesday. Think about that for a minute um, for all the faithful Catholics out there. I, I'm not saying that this is what happens to every uh, church that is Catholic all across the planet, but certainly the ones in his area of Africa, this is what was going on in those. And here's another thing, Justin. How about that hat that the Pope wears? You mean the uh, the Dagon priest hat? Now, Dagon is a principality, Justin, and he is a principality that has always existed. He's ancient, and he's associated with fish and the sea. Why? The thing is, this guy in Africa, he said he remained underneath the earth for two weeks. He familiarized himself with that environment, and then he came back to the earth. And he even believes that he hung out with Lucifer. Now, the the, the interesting thing, and we have to do this before I we, we get to Dagon, Justin, is the idea that this this is not an isolated story. Now, there's another guy by the name of Emmanuel Eni. And the, the cool thing about Emmanuel Eni in his book, Delivered from the Powers of Darkness, is that anyone can type in Emmanuel Eni or Delivered from the Powers of Darkness because his whole book is available on a website. You can just read it on the web page. Very easy. Everybody can find this one. And he had a lot to say about the the, the world underwater. And also this same person known as the Queen of the Coast. And I, as I've thought this through. I think there may be an office known as Queen of the Coast. There may be more than one of them. But essentially what he said in his book is that he made a covenant with the Queen of the Coast. He met her one day while he was uh, having a walk, and a, a little while after that, she just showed up at his house, never gave her his address. Now, he was into deep witchcraft and the occult already. He had already been initiated through really horrible initiations. And so he said that her visits began to uh, occur regularly at a particular time. She would always come at the exact same time. And sometimes she would take him to this place in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, and eventually she said, you're going to visit me with, with me in my kingdom. And so one day when she came to him at night, uh, he said this, she says, don't worry 
you're going to know my house. She takes him to a corner of the beach, puts a belt around him and her. A force comes behind them and pushes them into the sea. He said, we started flying on the surface of the water and straight into the ocean. And this happened to him while he was still in his physical form. The interesting thing is a lot of activity that seems to be associated with underwater locations, Dustin, by humans occurs in the spirit. In other words, astral projection and similar types of things going on. I will mention when people have commonplace dreams occurring in places underwater that are horrible, sometimes that means they're being pulled out of their body at night to go to these locations. All right, I'm just going to, we can come back to that later. This guy, though, he went in his physical body. They went under the seabed, and then he begins to describe what he saw. And he said in his book, I saw laboratories, like a science lab, a designing lab, a theater. At the back of the city, I saw young, beautiful girls and handsome young men, no old people. And then he said, she introduced me to them, and I was welcome. She took me to places like Dark room, drying room, and packing room. Justin, these are the same rooms from the other book. It's the same thing. They're two independent people talking this strange language. This is when I really began to ask questions because years ago when I was still researching this as an outsider, meaning I didn't have people that I was working with that gave me insider perspectives like I do now on some of this and other stuff that's even wackier, uh, I was just putting together the pieces. I said, how can I have two people that don't know each other living in two different countries, yet telling me the same story? This is crazy. He says, she took me to a main factory and warehouse, and then we came to her private mansion, and she told me, I am the queen of the coast, and I would like to work with you. I mean... <laughs> and this is after his deep involvement into occultism and, and various types of witchcraft practices. Well, absolutely. He had already been initiated, yes. And let's just remind people that many of these practices, um, even today, require blood sacrifice. Well, and he goes on to say, when he was under the water with this queen of the coast, they moved to create a covenant. And what she does is she presses some kind of button, and what comes out is human flesh. They actually have to eat it. And in many dark rituals, uh, what you find is that not only does human sacrifice actually occur, still occurs today. Yes, it does. They have to eat the flesh, drink the blood. I mean, it's really horrible stuff, Justin. And he talks about this even in his book. Does this kind of ring a bell with anybody about Catholics doing the Eucharist, claiming it's actually it turns into the flesh of Christ? And they've had these demonic miracles take place. They've recorded in the Catholic encyclopedias where sometimes the the wafer, which has the cross of Baal on it, the wafer will turn into cardiac tissue. This has been documented, pictures have been taken, and it's in the it's in the official Vatican Catholic encyclopedias. Mm, mm, mm. Kinda kinda rings true with what you're talking about here. Another connection between Catholicism and voodoo and witchcraft. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And this is the thing, Justin. It all connects. And the the clear picture though that seems to be emerging is that we can't just ignore all this stuff and pretend like it doesn't exist. We can't pretend like the testimonies aren't out there. We can't pretend like these reports of strange activity don't actually exist as published material. We can't call everybody a liar that has an experience that doesn't agree with a worldview we were force fed by a system with an agenda. Right, right. And so 
Uh, we, we don't need to continue here. We can actually move to Dagon now if, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I, I, I want to make a, a quick statement just to kind of close on what you just made, made a reference to about our system. You know, we, the system here, we have been force fed, uh, our views. And I'll even go further and use the, the term conditioned. We've been conditioned. And people know about Pavlov's, uh, Pavlov's dog. You can condition people very easily. I've covered conditioning many times. I know you've got a lot of experience with satanic ritual abuse and uh, MK Ultra, various types of mind control, conditioning. This stuff is very real, and we live in a culture in America, and there, there's some other cultures that are like America that are, that are put through the same types of conditioning. But when you talk to a missionary who's grown up in America, and then they, they uproot their life to go to another country, we'll just say a third world country where there's poverty, uh, all types of witchcraft and false religion, they come back and they tell us that the people in those countries that get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, they come back and they tell us that their Christianity that they practice over there is nothing like what we practice here. We've got this false gospel spoon-fed to us, put on a, on a silver platter. Everything's comfortable. Everything's good. We can sin all we want. It doesn't bother God. License to sin. Hyper grace. But these Christians in these other countries, they, 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 they get saved out of witchcraft. They get saved out of these various forms of false religions. And their lives are radically changed. They would die for the gospel. Mm. And he comes back, these missionaries come back here and they say, we have false Christianity in America. It is very few in America that really understand the calling of God in the scriptures. So I just, I, I wanted to just finish that and let that kind of soak in. Because we have to really find out for ourselves, are we truly saved? Have we been washed in the blood of the lamb? Are we really living up to the calling that God has on our lives. Just want to let that soak in because we have been so deceived in America. The church has been so deceived. It's just, it's scary. It's scary, brother. When you, when you bring up these stories of, of, you know, these, these other countries, it just, it rings so relevant in my mind about where we are as a church in America. But with that said, we, we, we will move on to Dagon. Is it okay if I kind of give that little introduction uh, about Jonah real quick? Please do, brother. I had done an expository teaching on Jonah. The thing about Jonah is that Jonah was told to go to a, a pagan nation known as Nineveh, and he did not want to go. I mean, they were Gentiles, they were pagans, and they served a god known as Dagon. And if we do our research into Dagon, you've already mentioned this uh, just real briefly, but Dagon was part fish, part man. And Dagon was not just worshipped in Nineveh. Dagon was a, like you said, he's an ancient principality. He's an ancient false god. But he's part man, part fish. And the cultures that worship Dagon had a lot of very strange rituals, very strange belief systems. But he would be known for coming up out of the water. And the thing that I want to mention here is that God specifically, there was nothing that was unstrategic about what God did with Jonah. Jonah got into the belly of the fish, taken down. And and you're going to break that down here in a second about uh, just the interesting things about him being taken down. But Jonah finally comes up to the surface of the coast and he gets spit up out of the mouth of a giant fish, out of the belly of the ocean, up onto the shore. Now, many people would have been along the coast and they would have seen this man, Jonah, coming up out of the ocean, coming up out of a fish, coming up onto the coast. That was strategic. And so he already would have had weight. His testimony of, I just came up out of the belly of a fish from the depths of the ocean to bring you a message from the living God. 
And what we see is that they, they received him and they repented. They fasted, they repented, and they were saved by grace even in a time before Jesus Christ physically came onto the earth. It all played perfectly in the storyline that he came up out of a fish out of the ocean. They worshiped a God who was half man, half fish, and he came up out of the ocean. So everything fell into place perfectly. So I just want to throw that out there. Some people don't understand the how all the story of Jonah was strategic. Every little detail of that story. And, and as we're going to see in a second, Dan, you're about to go into an even deeper uh, just amount of wisdom about what really happened when Jonah was taken into the ocean. Yeah. See, this is what people need to understand, Justin, that there are there are fallen powers of the heavens. There, there are princes. As a matter of fact, Ephesians six twelve says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And. See, the, these princes, there, there's, a, there's a lot of them. You can call them principalities, whatever you will. Dagon is one of them. He's been around. He, he was worshipped in Nineveh back then. He's still bugging people now. I'm still dealing with Dagon now, Justin. And he didn't go anywhere. Neither did Poseidon. Uh, neither did Lucifer. Neither did Molech. They're still around, all of them. And they are uh, all part of this push from the spirit realm for the devil's global order that he's trying to bring on the planet. And the only difference between back then and now is that they're using much more high-tech ways to get their uh, stuff done. They are the same spirits that have been around. And when you look at something like you know the Catholic Church with this pope with with this hat affiliating him with Dagon. What you have to ask yourself, the question is why? Why are you going to affiliate yourself with some kind of ancient deity? You know that is no god, not not the god of gods, the king of kings and lord of lords that we serve. Anyway, Jonah is fascinating because when you look at Jonah, he is swallowed up by this fish. But when he's in the belly of the fish, he says a prayer that is so fascinating. It's, it really makes you stretch your mind because he says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. Now, why, Justin, would he say out of the belly of Sheol means hell, Justin. Sheol means hell. And what what you see happening there is that it seems that the fish going deep under the water seems to find some kind of access point to a whole other realm known as Sheol. There's some kind of interplay going on there. <laughs> well, someone said, that sounds kind of weird. Hey, welcome to our world. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 yeah, <laughs> just remember who you're listening to. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the, the thing is, Justin, that Revelation 20 verse 13 says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, mm. and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. 
Now, we're going to avoid timelines and eschatology today. You know, just don't have any need to go there. This is talking about a great white throne judgment. He said, the sea gave up the dead, which were in it. There's a reference in the book of Jonah to Sheol being accessed, not by dying, but by going deep under the sea in the belly of a fish. And this is a thing. Justin, people love to do this uh, interpretation mechanism where everything that doesn't fit my worldview as said interpreter or theologian becomes an allegory. Whatever, whatever doesn't make sense to my natural carnal mind becomes an allegory because I have no other way to explain it or teach it. So then we go and do this thing. Well, Jonah felt like he was in hell because he was in the belly of the fish. And so that's what he was saying. He was just exaggerating. It, it was a really, really poetic exaggeration. That's all. You know, it, it was pretty miserable in that belly or whatever. Well, hold on a minute. The whole prayer, Justin, is literal. If you read this prayer in Jonah chapter 2, everything around it is literal. There's nothing allegorical about this prayer at all. And so if you look at the whole prayer and say, oh, nothing in the prayer is allegorical, how can you just take the one sentence that seems to be the stretch and say that's allegory too? As a matter of fact, there's this really, really interesting passage in the book of Job that seems to highlight the same idea that there are dead and they're showing up under the water. And in, 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 so we, we have to begin to expand our, our, our understanding of the mechanics of the spirit realm to, to take it all in. And of course, what are we doing? Well, we're looking at a realm under the sea that has very high significance in the spirit realm. And that's, that's, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. So we're talking about water spirits. Why, why is this conversation relevant? Because people have problems with water spirits, Justin. <laughs> and that actually leads me to a dream. And I, I wrote about this dream in my book, you know, and I, uh, this was what I probably had this dream now, five, five or six years, maybe seven years, about seven years ago at this point. It was a while back. And so this dream I had well before I really understood what was going on with water spirits or underwater kingdoms or anything like that. And in this dream, I was with a friend of mine and there were two other people. And it was like we were climbing up um, like a mountain or something like that. And we all jumped off. And as we jumped off, we like slapped all these ledges going down and got to the bottom and everyone was okay. It was like, Oh, okay. This is fun. (laughs) Do that again. (laughs) Exactly. So we climbed back up. And then the next thing I know, it's like, we're like kind of like on this balcony thing. And, um, it's like, okay, let's jump off. But when, when you go to jump off, there's water at the bottom. And so my friend and the other people that were there, they, they jumped off, but I didn't. And I was standing on the balcony watching. And then I said, oh, this is, something's wrong here. So when I got in the water, there was like these uh, really, really weird, really, really weird, like fish-like creatures that like were awakened and came alive. And they were gross. I mean, they were just disgusting, sick. And it just like, just to look at them made my stomach curl. And I saw my friend in in the water and he was trying to get out to get somewhere safe, but he was being kind of closed in and pushed back where it was deeper by these 
these really, really nasty fish. And then this like two legged octopus type creature came out of the water and started harassing him once they, the other ones had pushed him deeper. And that one, it totally made my stomach curl as well. I was like, Oh, this is so gross. Ugh. And I just, I prayed for him. I prayed for him. And in the next scene in the dream, it was like we were uh, standing together and he just had a few abrasions on him, but otherwise he was okay. And I was explaining to him that, you know, he, he was asking, well, why didn't you jump in there and help me? And I said, well, jumping in there would not have helped you. I would have been under attack. So I just prayed for you. And at that time, that guy, he had been having some battles with pornography. At the same time, he felt like he was drowning in life. And so now, this is the guy that you were with in the dream. This is the guy I was with in the dream. And so the dream was actually almost like a prophetic explanation of the attack that he had been under. But I prayed for him. And that he came out of that season, he was fine. He recovered, repented. He got up, quote unquote, above water. But he had felt like he was drowning for a while. He was actually under an attack from water spirits. And one of the uh, areas that water spirits really attack is in the area of lust and sexuality and sexual perversion. Very interesting. So um, th this was a dream that I had that kind of brings this whole conversation into present day relevance. Why do I care about water spirits or what kind of things they can do? Well, because it might be impacting your life. As a matter of fact, here, here's another one that's really, really interesting. Okay. When Jesus went to pay his taxes, Justin, when Jesus went to pay his taxes, how did he do it? He commanded the fish. Fish came up out of the water, coughed up a coin, took yep. the coin, paid the tax. Now, you cannot, I, I'm sorry, you cannot see this with Western thinking. You, you just can't. You just can't. You can't see it with Western thinking. Why did the fish have a coin in its mouth? Justin, in the spirit, they have stolen the wealth of nations and stored it up in underwater spirit kingdoms. Jesus took from the underwater kingdom when he commanded the fish and paid the tax. He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. I mean, the question of are there water spirits to me is nonsense. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's a, it's a, of course, you know, how about this one, Justin? Revelation chapter 13, the beast that comes out of the sea. Now, this is just, this is, this is crazy because you go to Revelation 13 and many people totally overlook this, but I want to make a point real quick. There's going to be some people listening, Dan, who do not use the King James Version Bible. And this is so imperative. If you're listening and you've got a newer translation, comes from the Alexandrian text, manuscripts, you're going to see something different here. And it's going to cause some contention as you read this passage. Because in the newer translations, it actually says the dragon stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. But the King James says, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rise up. So John gets replaced with the dragon in the new translations. Just want to throw that out there. This is one of those things that always grinds my gears as we study Revelation because the new translations, 
I mean, that, that's a total demonic spin. Now, we don't, we're not going to get into all that. I just want to make that reference because if some of you open your Bibles right now to follow along with what we're teaching, you might see this point of contention if you're using a new translation. It's a pretty big difference. The dragon or John? The dragon or John? Well, I'm going to go with the authorized King James Version. So go ahead and break this part down for us, Dan. This is amazing. I just, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just had to get that out there. Justin, thank you for bringing that up. And all I'm pointing out here is that it says that exactly. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. That's water. That's water. Having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, on his heads a blasphemous name. The beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. I mean... I've seen a lot of people take this and, and redefine the terms. So they'll they'll say, well, sea means a group of people. Probably a group of people, say, maybe in the European Union or something like that. We're just talking about a, a group of people, a, a guy rises up. But I'm saying, well, maybe, maybe it does mean sea. Maybe it actually means the underwater spirit kingdom. <laughs> The Bible is clear in Revelation 16:5 that there is an angel of the waters. So there's so much activity associated with the sea, Justin. It's it's really really significant, and people don't realize just how much bondage they may be walking in that's coming because of their interface with sea spirits in the marine kingdom even if they have no conscious knowledge of ever having signed their name on the dotted line to have an affliction from these places. It's as simple as pornography that can open up a person to the attack of marine spirits. This is not, this is not something that we have to get very, very weird about. One of the other things that you notice as you work your way through the Bible is that there is this thing called Tahaum. Now, Tahaum is really interesting. It's known as the uh, uh, primordial sea. Tahaum is what was used in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, to destroy the earth. God didn't just rain down water, Justin. Uh, the Bible says that he broke up the fountains of the deep. That's Tahaum. And it was Tahaum, by Tahaum, that God brought judgment. But the really, really interesting thing about Tahaum is that in the book of Habakkuk, Tahaum gets referenced again. And this just adds more inquiry to the whole conversation on what really is going on with water. It's strange. Tahaum, in the book of Habakkuk, is said to utter his voice and lift his hands up on high. Now, this sounds to me more like an entity with its own intelligence than just a substance. What is the deal with Tahaum that the Bible would give it a voice and hands? And that's in the book of Habakkuk. Now, I'm not going to draw any conclusions on this one in specific, Justin. I'm just raising up point after point after point on this subject of water spirits, the marine kingdom, 
the realm underwater, what is really going on there? Well, I would just like to propose a, a quick little interjection because in in some of my talks with Ellie Marzulli, uh, some on the record and some off the record, uh, anyone who follows uh, Ellie Marzulli's work, we know he lives in California. He's up on the coast. And being up on the coast in California, being a researcher of Nephilim and giants and just the, the, the whole scenario, the, the demonology involved there, the UFO agenda, he says there's many reports up along his coast where these flying crafts, which I've broken down in the past, we've got chariots of the gods, we've got uh, multiple references in scripture to chariots of fire or vehicles of fire, even uh, the horses that have come from heaven with angels. So just want to throw that out there in case there's a new listener, because some people may just be tuning in for the first time, and this may be just an, an, an overload. But there's we know that in the Bible there is clear reference to vehicles that are not of this world. And Ellie Marzulli says many accounts we will we will have these these flying crafts come down, hit the water, some somehow transform, keep going down into the ocean, and they don't come back up, at least not in the time that the person's watching. He believes that there are underwater bases where you would have to go into the water in order to access the base. Now, how would you say that this kind of correlates? Because, first of all, what would be flying one of these crafts? In my opinion, my educated opinion, I would say, it would be a fallen angel, some type of a fallen angel or even a hybrid entity that they've created. Going back to Genesis 6. Don't want to speculate on that, but it's got to, at the very least, be a fallen angel operating these crafts. Now, what are your thoughts on this going down into the water? That's an interesting question, Justin. Now, I work with a lot of people that have come out of very high levels in the New World Order hierarchy. Um, that's part of what I do. I work with survivors of satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control agendas. Uh, I have a number of clients that have actually defected from the Illuminati. I have a lot of information that's presented to me all the time. And... I, I get this information presented to me from people that didn't just do research. They were there. They were part of it. They saw it with their own eyes and uh, they lived to tell about it. And um, some of the things that I've been told is that there's really three kinds of bases that exist underwater. The three kinds of bases are military installations and they're really um, underground. They're dumps, deep underground military bases that are under the seabed. But they may have some extensions above the seabed, but they're self-contained. Then there are, uh, and this is going to sound probably the strangest, but certain groups like Greys, they'll have their own bases in different places underwater. One area that we're pretty sure has a significant amount of this kind of activity is Catalina Island. Um, and uh, so, so there are which you would call, I mean, people would like to call them aliens. I don't believe they're really aliens, and I don't think neither do you. But they, they, they seem to be able to build their own bases that are different from human deep underground military bases that, that, that we built. And then there are the spirit cities uh, where you will find all kinds of things from merfolk to demons to principalities, and they have their own cities. And so – from what I have been able to compile from all of the reports that have been given to me is that there are at least these three types of underwater cities or bases. 
Now, with that stated, uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to go deep into this because we, we we have to move on to something else with it that's on the agenda. But you mentioned the Grays, and some people may they may hear the the, the, the term gray alien. Uh, I, I I'm with you. I don't like using the term alien. Um, there's a lot of debate as to what a gray actually is. Um, Doc Marquis believes that there's a type of grays that are created in a lab by our government. He believe, and I forget the date. He says while he was in the Illuminati. They basically figured out how to take the human genome and flip it around and create these hybrids in a lab. Now, I tend to lean to the idea that of what L.A. Marzulli subscribes to, and I believe that the Greys are a hybrid creature, an avatar per se, a bi, you know, bio, it's biologically created. It's a it's a living type bodysuit, kind of similar to what we see in the Avatar movie, but smaller. And I believe that they're created for the disembodied souls of the Nephilim. To inhabit. That's that's where I kind of lean. But just for the sake of our audience, um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, in a nutshell, <laughs> I, I, is there such thing as a nutshell? For there's, this? <laughs> there's no such thing as a nutshell, Justin. That's why I'm laughing. I'm like, what is a nutshell? Do we even need to go here? I mean, I, I just I, I want to be sensitive to some new listeners who may not have gone through the archives of the Fourth Watch, or they may not have followed your work or even LA's work. So, I, I honestly, Justin, don't know for sure what the greys are. I have read just as many, um, uh, I, I guess, <sighs> approaches to understanding what they are as you have. And I have concluded that there are different types of greys. There are tall ones. There are short ones. There are ones that seem to have their own intelligence. There's others that just seem to be like drones, almost like robots. Um, and so I... I don't really know what they are for sure. And I think that it could be any of the above or all of the above in different cases. And that's kind of where I am. Now, I do know that whatever is going on, what I've had reported to me and uh, one survivor named Carolyn Hamlet has made this very clear because, because she was involved with them personally on a, on a lot of occasions. She'd been on the craft. She'd had a lot of in encounters with them and business involving them. And she said one of the significant things about the Grays was that they had their own hybrid program, breeding program, where they were trying to combine their genome with the human genome and create essentially uh, a, a humanoid that, that was human enough that it could pass for a real person. And, and they were creating those on their craft. Um, they would have various ways of getting them birthed really, really messy stuff that we don't have time or energy to go into. Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely getting into a, a much deeper discussion. Uh, we, will, we will definitely have to have you back on to discuss this a little further because uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, just I, I want to say I do agree because there are various types of grays and they've even found skulls, which they believe came out of a gray body that have no cranial cavity. Um, so definitely some interesting things there. Just want to get your opinion before we go too much, too deeper into other topics here. Uh, we will definitely do a show again, Lord willing, where we can talk about the breeding program and the abduction scenarios that are taking place, because I think that we really can't, we can't really address these things without going into all of that. So now you mentioned the, the merman. Merfolk. Okay. Now this is interesting because we know that Dagon uh, all, all of the uh, the ancient carvings and pictures or idols of Dagon that we can come across uh, just, you know, through our studies of antiquity, we find that Dagon appeared to be a strange type of a merman. Uh, th this is one of those things that it's undeniable. Historically, we can find reference to this, just like historically we can find diagrams of the priesthood of Dagon. 
and the royal priests of Dagon, they dress exactly like the Vatican. I mean, this is, this is undeniable. But we've already covered the Vatican side of things briefly. Tell us a little bit about the, the merfolk, because I think it was a couple years ago, there was a, a major primetime broadcast that came on. I know you and I briefly talked about this uh, another day, but they were showing us that they have gone down into the depths of the ocean and that they believe that they were going to prove that there were mermaids or merfolk. But I believe what they showed us was total fabrication. I believe that the, the, the images that they showed on camera were CGI or computer-generated graphics. So that's kind of where I lean. I think that that was a total, uh, kind of like what they've done with the Bigfoot TV shows. They've created a whole fake scenario just to kind of get people pacified and excited about something like, like the magician does. Look at my left hand while my right hand is deceiving you. So break down exactly what you found on, on that topic because I think it's pretty interesting. First of all, we assume that we're the only ones that know what we're talking about so we can rewrite history and say whatever happened is whatever we say happened because we must be right based on our Western 3D thinking. And by 3D, I mean let's limit all of our understanding to what's measurable and definable through scientific study. We don't live in a 3D world, though, Justin. We live in a world that is created by God. And God didn't create just Earth. He created the heavens and the Earth. And that includes all of the spirit realm and everything else around us that we don't see, nor can we necessarily measure. So when we go into a cave and we see cave drawings from thousands of years ago depicting mermaids, we say, oh, they must have just made those up. We see Dagon. We see his priesthood. We see all this stuff. And we see exactly what he looks like. Oh, they must have just made that up. And then, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. Why do we assume that these people didn't know what they were talking about? Just because we're smarter than them? I mean, realistically, it makes no, the whole approach is dumb. And when I was in Australia in November, Justin, I'll be honest, I was talking to someone and they told me, yeah, Daniel, if you go into some of the aboriginal areas, <laughs> you'll even find signs that say, beware of the merfolk. In Australia, they have signs. In, sorry, no, no, this isn't like the public place. Like You're not going to see this in Sydney. You're going to see it where the aboriginals live, off the beaten path. No one's confused about this. Uh, it seems like these things have existed and do exist, whatever the heck they are. And, of course, when you look at what... What you see in the book of Genesis chapter 6, you see the sons of God, the Menea Elohim, coming down to the daughters of men and getting them pregnant. They give birth to what are hybrids. I mean, when you open that can of worms, it opens, it opens up the conversation for just about anything. Any kind of chimera can be generated uh, when, when you talk about intermingling DNA. In the book of Daniel chapter 2, it talks about the last days, the fifth kingdom. It says it will be partly strong but partly broken. It And it talks about the iron and the clay. And it says they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. And when you look at that, you, what I see when you're reading Daniel chapter 2 towards the end, verse I think it's 42, it, you, I, I see a purposeful agenda to create hybrids and chimeras and all kinds of abominable things by manipulating genetic fragments. And when you look at merfolk, it, it, it's simply a half man and a half fish. Now, pairing all of that and just adding it all up, I have testimonies from people that have 
actually engaged with merfolk. They, they tell me about it. They've seen merfolk show up at rituals, but they're in other dimensions. So they do rituals in other dimensions. And I know that, that that's going to sound very strange to people. And I don't know how far you want me to go with that. But I mean, I could I, I could take it there. I have the testimonies. I feel like we have to we just have to state, first of all, we're dealing with a creature known as Dagon in the Bible. The Bible tells us Dagon was worshipped. We also have the strategic placement of Jonah and how Jonah was taken down in the in the fish, brought up, vomited on the on the shore, just like we already said. There was a reason for all of that, and so it clearly goes back to the idea that God was showing these people that he can do what Dagon does and more. God knew what they believed, and he showed them that I am even more powerful than Dagon. I can do what he does, and then everything else that he can't do, because he is the living God. And so I think that by looking at that and then researching who Dagon was, we validate that Dagon was not just some made-up title, I mean, the Bible validates it. History validates it. We don't, you know, we shouldn't even have to be having this conversation, but for the sake of the skeptics, we will. But also when we get to the creatures, uh, the the heavenly creatures, the creatures that, that God has created that reside in heaven, we have a reference in Revelation to heavenly creatures. We have a reference in the book of Ezekiel to heavenly creatures. And what we see there is qualities of man and qualities of animal in the same being or the same entity, the same creature. I just want to throw that out there because, again, we get we get into this whole Western mindset where the church wants to tell you, oh, well, those are just metaphoric descriptions of power. So I just want to throw that out there. It's really great uh, comments, Justin. There's a book. It's called Snatched from Satan's Claws. Very, very hard to find. It took me years to track this book down. And when I finally did, I photocopied the whole book so I could keep a record of it because I got it from a library. But this book was also written by an African witch doctor. And guess what the first chapter is called, Justin? I was breastfed by a mermaid. That's how he opens his book. Now, I know somebody's probably laughing right now, spitting up milk. uh, But this. (laughs) okay, I'm sorry. I should not have thrown comic. I should not have put comic relief in there. But this this is I'm sorry. I may have to edit that out. Go go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're fine, brother. The first chapter is called I Was Breastfed by a Mermaid. And he talks about how his father, who is extremely deep in the occult, I mean, many generations of witch doctors in his family, it was like nine generations. It's just so strange, his, his uh, pedagogy or whatever you want to call it. And his father had a connection to a mermaid. And his father would go and get the mermaid from the sea and carry the mermaid to the house. And as a baby, he would breastfeed at that mermaid and then he'd carry the mermaid back and mermaid would go back in the sea. Now you could say, okay, well, that's another guy just making it up. Is everybody making it up though, Justin? Is everybody making it up? This book, I think, has been systematically targeted. The devil does not want people to read what's in this book at all. And it's very, very hard to find. And That's just another printed testimony. But like I said, I've been given a number of testimonies from people that I have worked with that have had encounters underwater with merfolk. And most typically, the way these encounters work is they might go to sleep. Then they'll have parts of them that leave at night and travel, astral travel, because they're in the occult. And then... They will go underwater. Those parts will be underwater with the underwater creatures in the underwater kingdom. And there will be merfolk there. 
and they'll have encounters with them and they'll see them. And this has been reported to me by more than one person. I, I, I'd say I've worked with at least four people that have had independent encounters with merfolk in addition to every other kind of thing that's under the sea. You know, what, what really sticks out to me here, Dan, is that we live in the postmodern world, which has totally been brainwashed by what they call rationalism. And I believe it was the 18th century when rationalism really began to take its just heavy grip on society. But in the rationalist movement, it slowly began to get more and more and more. It's like a snowball effect. And what I've noticed in my research is that rather than dealing with demonic situations, you're now dealing with mental disorders. And and, and this is this is so true. I've had two people who listen to the show who both work in uh, the mental health field. Or let me one of them I think actually just works in a hospital in the mental area. He's not a mental health professional, but interestingly, he's a deliverance minister. And uh, I, I can't mention his name because uh, just he, he's asked me not to mention his name if I ever reference him here. But we're dealing with a Catholic hospital, idols set up all over that all over the floor that he works on. I mean, we're, we're dealing with a, a demonic infested floor. And both people who I've talked to, uh, but but even the other person, the, the the young lady who is a mental health professional. She straight up told me mental illness is all spiritual. Now, I've believed this for many years. Matter of fact, this is nothing new to me. But what's happened in the rationalist movement is that we've tried to medicate spiritual issues with drugs and with pharmacia. And I believe that that's what's happening right now is rather than trying to deal with the spiritual matters with spiritual force, we're covering up spiritual matters with medicine. And the reason I bring this up is because you deal with people and that are dealing with spiritual matters, and you deal with it spiritually, biblically. And they're coming to you, but you see, if these people would go to their pastors, most of their pastors are going to tell them, you need to see a doctor. I don't deal with that. Most of the churches don't even know what deliverance means. They have redefined deliverance. They say, well, say a sinner's prayer, and you're delivered. They don't understand what really goes into deliverance, and that it's really a matter of the heart. And what happens, I think, when we get into these types of topics we are dealing with people who are going to try to discount this as mental illness. Well, these people are seeing things, they're hearing voices, they need to go be admitted into a mental institution. And that's why mental institutions are filled with people who are demonized and demon-possessed, and they're, they're not getting the help that they need. But I want, I want to make this real quick point. I don't want to get too far off the track, but it's right in line with what you're talking about. Uh, my good friend Louis DeHara of Radio Redemption and Power, he's the man I, I referenced earlier from Miami who battles witchcraft, voodoo, Santeria throughout his community. And he mm-hmm. told us, uh, he was recently up in Atlanta. You're going to love this, Dan. Um, he was contacted, yeah, this is great, he was contacted recently uh, by a friend, a, a mutual friend of ours who lives in Atlanta, and he said, hey, I've got a friend here who they're having major demonic manifestations and torment in their home. They're having marital problems. Their daughter tried to kill herself uh, by, by, she tried to hang, and this is a young girl, like like a child. She tried to hang herself uh, by the drawstring on the curtains or the blinds, like the, the the blinds that you pull up and down in your bedroom. And she said that her imaginary friend told her to do it. Well, she's had this imaginary friend for a long time. The parents kind of just overlooked it. But things started to get crazy. The husband began to see these black orbs manifesting throughout the house. He thought he was having vision problems, but they kept getting worse and worse. And so what happened, they went to their pastor at a local church up here. And the pastor says, yeah, you, you need to take your daughter to see a doctor. You know, this is, this is, this is mental illness. You need to take her to see a doctor. I, I, you know, we don't, we don't deal with that kind of stuff in the church. 
And what happened was my, my friend, Brother Lewis, he took the whole family through deliverance via Skype and the phone, cleansed their house. This is the power of God, folks. He was able, he was not able to be here physically at the time. He took them through multiple deliverance sessions. Their house has been cleansed. Their marriage has been restored. And the little girl God. is cleansed and now walking in the light of Christ. All, amen, praise God. This is the power of deliverance. So they went back to their pastor and they told their pastor, we, we got with the deliverance minister, everything's fixed. The power of Christ manifested in this situation. Demons were removed. We, we now have a healthy marriage and our daughter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Things are good. And he said, well, you know, it, it probably just seems that way. This was the pastor's response. He says, you know, sometimes things just, you know, they, they fix themselves. So that's the problem we're seeing here. So I want to make that statement because many people listening are going to be skeptical about some of these things, especially um, the way that you deal with deliverance, because they're going to say, well, you know, that person has mental illness. They need drugs. So I wanted to throw that out there because what you're dealing with, you're dealing with real life deliverance working in the spiritual realm. And we have to have the fire of Christ. We can't just take a little match to the fire of the enemy. We have to have the blowtorch. Literally, we have to have the flamethrower of Jesus Christ in order to fight the fire that the enemy's bringing. You know, you can't show up to a gunfight with a little pencil. So I think it's very important what you do. And I, I want to cover one other thing before we get into deliverance, because I, I, I feel like the Lord's moving in a, in a very special way tonight. And uh, man, when, when the Lord starts to move and the anointing just gets heavy, uh, you, you can't stop what he's doing. Uh, I want to mention one other thing. You, you you had mentioned to me about sirens before, and some people are going to hear sirens, and okay, now they're, they're going out into left field, but hey, we've already talked about the merfolk. We've talked about Dagon. I want to talk about sirens. We even had sirens depicted in TV shows like uh, Once Upon a Time and other shows. Uh, we also know that the city of Corinth uh, was a major port city. And anybody who does their research on Corinth, this is amazing. And this also helps us understand the writings that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. We cannot fully understand some of the things he was saying to them if we don't understand their culture and the context and the time of which that was written. But Corinth was a pagan city. It was a port city. Uh, it's also the home of the miniature Olympics. We had the main, the main Olympics taking place, but then we had like the secondary Olympics. It was a smaller Olympics, but it took place in Corinth. Uh, being a port city, a lot of visitors and travelers and businessmen would stop and they would dock at Corinth. And while they were there, they would go to the temple prostitutes the oracles, and they would go there and they would pay money to sleep with these prostitutes and get what, what, what we would call demonic prophecies given over them. Now, in the same type of port city, we're now, again, we're dealing with, with principalities of the water here. What can you tell us about the sirens? In the book of Acts chapter 8, there is a sorcerer named Simon. And everyone thought he was a really awesome guy. Like, this guy is the power of God. That's what they said about Simon. And, and so... Simon went around doing his thing until he met Philip, who really was God's guy. And then he saw what Philip was doing through the power of Jesus Christ and said, <laughs> to heck with this. I'm with this team. Switch sides. Simon believed in Jesus and got baptized. <laughs> now, some people believe, Justin, that when you believe in Jesus and get baptized, you can't have a demon. You can't have bondage spiritually. But here's what happens. Peter and John, they go up later to that area, and, and they, they begin to lay hands on people and uh, give the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in verse 18. He said they were 
going to lay their hands on people and give the Holy Spirit. So Simon goes over to them and he offers them money. And he says, give me this power also so anyone that I lay my hands on can receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, your money perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. Then he says, your heart isn't right. Repent of your wickedness. I pray if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. See, Simon, or th- th- this uh, th- th- this ex-witch, was still under the bonds, the bondage of the spirit realm. He was saved, he was baptized, he was in spiritual bondage. He needed repentance in his life. He needed to break the bondage of sin and iniquity. He hadn't done that yet. This guy still had problems, and Peter called it right out. So some people say you can't have any bondage if you're Christian and baptized. Yeah, right. My Bible says you can. I'll go with my Bible. You take a hike. So I had a problem with a siren. Justin, this thing was crazy. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell the, the whole story. When I grew up, I had some anger issues. I was really, really angry. Uh, and, and I love my mom, Justin. I, I, I really, the woman is amazing. But when I graduated high school, went to college, I was angry at my mom. And I had a root of bitterness in me. And so when I came back from college for my first winter break, my freshman year of college, I had a dream. And in that dream, I was in my parents' basement and there was a shadow being. And it's like he had a workshop down there. And what he did was he opened up a portal. And when when he opened up the portal, it was like this witch came out of it. And she was doing this very strange dance. It was very, very weird. And I tried to run away, and it was like a Freddy Cougar movie where my feet, I just couldn't move very fast. I was like slow motion, but I'm trying to get out of there. I get to the top of the stairs from out of the basement, and that thing had followed me up and was still doing its strange dance. That's when I knew I wasn't for it. For the next two and a half weeks, I was continually attacked. And let me tell you what would happen. I would lay down to go to sleep at night. And as I would begin to drift into sleep, I would hear this music. Justin, it was the most beautiful music you can imagine. Captivating. Wow. If you could put this on a CD, sell millions of copies. It's just, it was so beautiful. It was from the spirit. And this music would put me in a trance. Now, mind you, I'm trying to go to sleep, but I have a mega problem. This spirit's on my back. And it would put me into a trance. And the moment it would put me into a trance, the spirit would jump on my physical body from the spirit realm and wrestle with me. Beat me up. (laughs) It was horrible. I couldn't sleep. I went into like a state of insomnia. Because every time I tried to sleep, this would happen two or three times a night. The music would start. I'd go into it. Sometimes I'd... (laughs) be sleeping and the music would come in my dream and put me in a trance in the dream. And then it would jump on me and I would have to fight out of this state of trance to try to get the name of Jesus out of my mouth. And I say, I cast you out of the name of Jesus. And it's like, it would just walk a few feet away and just hang out up in the corner of my room or something, just wait. And as I would drift off to sleep, the, the music would start again. The spirit was singing. This was a siren spirit. It would sing. 
It's beautiful. It's counterfeit too. You know, the other day I was on a phone with someone praying and as I was praying, God opened their ears. They could actually hear the angels in the spirit singing praises to God while I was praising or praying. So it happens on both sides. You can hear music from the spirit. God's angels sing songs in the book of Revelation. They sing, Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. Well, the sirens will sing from the Spirit. And it'll put, they, this one, it kept putting me in a trance for weeks. And finally, I came to the end of myself, and I was like, God, I, I just don't know what to do. I'm done. I can't sleep. I'm in insomnia. I have to run away from home. I can't wait to get, I can't sleep. And you know what God said to me? He said, the reason why this spirit won't leave you alone is because you're angry and bitter at your mom and you need to let it go. You are in a bond of iniquity, in a gall of bitterness. Get it out of your life. And just then I had to repent and I had to lay that down and say, God, I forgive my mom for everything I'm mad at her about. And half the things I was mad at my mom about, I agree with now. I'm like, thank you, mom, for doing that. You kept me on the right track. I was mad about it, but I'm praising God for it now. But I had some heart issues and I lay it down. When I laid it down, forgave my mom and let it all go and asked for forgiveness. I told that spirit, now you can pack your bags and leave. That spirit left. I never had an issue with that siren spirit again. And a lot of people deal with these types of things where they are, they're, they're Holy Spirit filled Christians. They've, they've accepted Christ. They've been baptized. They're walking with the Lord but they've got things they haven't dealt with in their life, or they're even continuing uh, to allow what we'll just call dominion or entrance into their homes. And I mean, what you explained right there, that that's that's so normal for people who, who do start to see things right. I mean, because look, there, there's people out there who they don't understand what they're going through, but they just kind of chalk it up to, we'll just say happenstance. Oh, well, it's just life. Life throws, you know, life throws snowballs at you sometimes, but really uh, they're dealing with spiritual oppression, demonic oppression, and if you can't get that demon to leave, you really have to do a purging of your life in your house. And I say life and house because sometimes it's things that you, you're still holding on to personally, or sometimes it's things that you're allowing into your home because of various things that are going on in your home. You know, I just did a teaching uh, a couple of weeks ago. I just recently did a teaching on God is our strong tower. And in the Hebrew, it's our Migdal Oz. The name of our God, the name of Yahweh, is a strong tower. And it talks about the righteous being able to run into it and be safe. And when you get into the Hebrew, they're being elevated. They're being raised up into this place of inaccessibility to danger when you break down each Hebrew word. It's funny, Dan, because some passages in, in, in the Bible, you only get one or two uh, Strong's numbers. But there's other passages where nearly the whole verse is Strong's number after Strong's number after Strong's number. And those are the ones that you really have to delve into to get a full understanding. And what happens is being righteous, yes, we are we are justified, we are vindicated. But even in Christ, we make decisions that cause us to exit that strong tower of protection. And I've been there. I've been there. Things that I've done. I didn't realize I was I was giving dominion to to uh, demonic spirits in my life. And, you know, I had to deal with those things. We have to deal with them. And that's the importance of deliverance. And and the, the amazing thing about you go, going into that story, Dan, is that as we close today's show, usually I go into a Bible study every week uh, that I put together, but I'm feeling the Lord leading me in a direction. And because of what you do, because of what you deal with, anybody who's not familiar with your ministry, 
you deal with taking people through deliverance all the time. It, it, it literally takes up all of your time. It, it's all ministry. And if there's people listening right now, what what can you do to encourage them where, where they could, um, if they don't feel comfortable reaching out to somebody, um, what would you encourage them to do in the area of deliverance um, biblically, um, something they could do at home? There are several cornerstones that no one could ignore. Forgiveness is a big issue. Um, and unforgiveness is always an open door of access for the devil's persecution in a Christian's life. Because, well, Jesus said, if you don't forgive men, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you. And so there's a mandate. When we hold on to unforgiveness, there's always an open door. As a matter of fact, in another parable, Jesus, uh, he, he, he depicts how people will be turned over to the tormentors for not releasing forgiveness. Those, that, that's the devil's legal right. If a person has unforgiveness in their heart towards somebody and they are experiencing a lot of problems, that's one of the first places to look. Who do I need to forgive? And I tell people, listen, sometimes the forgiveness issue is really, really tough because you've been wronged really, really bad. And it's just, it's just hard. And you, your first thought is, even if I said I forgive you, I wouldn't mean it. Well, that's okay because sometimes we need to forgive by faith and have God walk us through the process by grace. And so we forgive, we make a choice to forgive, and we trust in God's grace to walk us through that journey. Because forgiveness can be a journey at times. But when we make a decision, that's once we gain that ground back from the devil to kick him out of our lives. And that's what we're talking about. Another thing that people need to keep in mind is repentance and renunciation. Repent means to turn around, to change our thinking. Sometimes we have sin in our lives. We need to just repent and say, God, I am sorry for doing that. We used to do the Ouija board. We used to do the tarot cards. We used to do uh, crystals. We used to do all kinds of things. Then we got saved and we stopped, but we never specifically repented for doing those actions. That's something people can do. You can just stop and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to repent for all of the occult activity I was involved in specifically and renounce it. Renunciation means to break agreement with. And so as we go and we repent and we forgive, we can renounce those acts that we did that we know open doors. And when we break agreement with that, that's shutting the door in the devil's face. When we're in really high level bondage, say to what I would call a principality, because I do make a distinction between powers of the heavens and um, low level demons, I have a principality prayer on my website, www.bridemovement.com, and a two-hour teaching I did on it that you can find at my podcast, Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVault. It's called Deliverance from Principalities. You can also just put that in YouTube, Deliverance from Principalities. It will come right up. The prayer is there on the website. The teaching is there. There is a way to get free of heavenly princes that is a little bit different than just breaking free of low-level bondage due to sin. Um, that is a resource that is available to people as well. And if you go to bridemovement.com on our prayer resource page, I also have something called the house cleansing prayer. And that is just a step-by-step -step strategy anyone can take and use to pray through their home to break up 
the attack that's coming on them because of what's happened in their home, sins that have gone on in their home, not even necessarily committed by them, maybe the people that lived there before them. One more thing that is available that I encourage people to get their hands on is something I call the evening prayer. And the evening prayer is also on our website. And it is a prayer of protection that will prevent the attacks that come at you while you are sleeping, including things like sexual dreams being pulled out of your body, sleep paralysis. It really stops most of this activity. And we have gotten just a boatload of testimonies from people that began using the evening prayer that I put on my website and that, because I wrote it for myself, Justin. I, I, the devil tried to attack me seven ways from Sunday. I got it all. And as I was able to diagnose every point that he was attacking me at, I was able to compose what I call the evening prayer to specifically combat all these different areas many Christians don't even know exist insofar as the devil's ability to attack them. And it's just there for you as a resource. You can get that printed off, pray it every night, and you will see a difference in your sleep. www.bridemovement.com, and you can also visit us at www.thefireplacechurch.org, which is the new internet-based ministry service we just launched. I do have what we call Bride Discipleship, and there is a discipleship course called Spiritual Warfare, and people can get on our waiting list for that. And it is eight weeks long, and um, you just visit us at our website and tell us you'd like to get on the waiting list for discipleship courses and in the next round, because we just started one, you'll be able to get on board with that. Um, as far as working with people, I, Justin, I'm going to be very real and say, um, because of the level uh, that I deal with, I have waiting lists all over the place. And I rarely have opportunity to do one-on-one -on -one deliverance sessions with people I'm not already working with at this time. But when possible, we do our best to connect people with others that are either being trained or working with us um, to try to get them the help they're looking for. And of course, all of our materials are available through the podcast and otherwise. Amen. Now I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do something right now that was totally uh, un, unplanned. Um, and this is probably going to make some of you uncomfortable listening, but I'm going to encourage you just to, just to stay tuned in. I'm going to ask Dan to pray a deliverance prayer over everyone listening to this show to be freed from bondage of sin that they're struggling with. And I'm going to ask him to pray it slowly so that you can open up your heart and pray along if you sincerely want to be cleansed of the things that you're dealing with right now that are sin related. Would you mind doing that for us, Dan? No, not at all. I know, I know we did not talk about this. I know this is kind of last minute, but I really feel that this is a vital, vital part of the show. Mm. Okay. Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, we praise you because you are the Lord most high, the creator and the maker of heaven and earth. Lord God, we repent for those sins which we know we have committed. And for everyone that's listening, pause this and list those things which you know you need to get out of your life. 
Father God, we repent for those things we have done which offend you and go against your purpose for our lives and renounce them in the name of Jesus and break the power they have held over our lives. We declare that every demon that has been operating in or around us due to those things is now apprehended by your heavenly hosts and driven out to where the true Lord Jesus sends them now. Furthermore, Lord Jesus, we choose to forgive those that have offended us. If you are listening to this, I want you to take a moment, pause this, and list names and offenses of people that have wronged you. Father God, I release those that have wronged me in the name of Jesus. And I declare that every demon that has been involved in my persecution in or around me is now apprehended by your heavenly hosts, bound and driven out to where the Lord Jesus sends them. Your word says that we are cleansed of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. I receive your cleansing by the blood of the Lamb, the living water, and impartation from your oil of anointing, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know there's people listening right now that needed to hear that and will need to go back and they will want to pause and they will want to make lists and they will want to get cleansed of these very things. Brother Dan, it is a honor and a pleasure to be able to link hands, link arms, to be co-laborers of the gospel in these last hours, these last days. You know, we really don't know how much time we have, but we are told to occupy until the Lord returns. We have to have our spiritual occupations and a clear vision so that we can be used to the full potential of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been given all power and authority by Christ, and we have to live up to that authority, and we have to operate in the ways that he operated so that we can function as the body of Christ in these end times. You are a blessing to so many around the world. You've blessed me even tonight. I thank you for your time. I thank you for everything that you do. And uh, is there anything you want to say in closing, brother? You know, Justin, it's been a real pleasure to be on your program, man. It's, uh, thank you for having me. And I'm just going to say one more prayer, and this isn't uh, for people to speak along with me. I'm just going to pray over your audience in, in general. And that's, I guess, what I'll close with in addition to our website again, bridemovement.com, and now www.thefireplacechurch.org. Father God, I bless everyone that listens to this program in the name of Jesus. 
Father God, I command interruption on assignments formed against those listening to this program in the name of Jesus. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you will lift up a standard. You will contend with those that contend with us, and you will save our children. I declare that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, to the tearing down of strongholds, the casting down of arguments, and of every high thing which exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And Lord, on those which have taken up assignment against the ones that have called upon you for their salvation, that listen to this program, that are looking for breakthrough. I declare that upon our enemies in heavenly high places, the arrows of the Lord are loosed along with lightnings, hailstones, coals of fire, and I call upon tsunamis of living water. I call the devil's places of attack washed out in the name of Jesus. I command destruction into the encampments of the enemy as he has encamped around the lives of those that are seeking you. And I declare that they are driven from their posts. Lord God, your angels excel in strength. They perform your word. They hearken unto the voice of your word. You said we would tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon would we trample underfoot. Jesus Christ has guaranteed us the victory, and you have called yourself Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. Lord God, we go forth in the boldness of identity that has made us heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And we thank you, Lord God, that breakthrough comes to those that are seeking it in every area they are seeking it in the name of Jesus. We praise you and thank you for all that you do and all that you are. Amen. Amen. Well, brother Dan, it is. Oh boy, I just I felt the Lord guide us to pray, bro, and uh, I'm so glad. Uh, it's just it's it's such a blessing to be able to to work with other brothers in, in the body that are in this area of deliverance and research and exposing what's going on in these days. So from the Fourth Watch Radio Network and for me personally, God bless you, brother. I hope you have an amazing night. Just you are in the prayers of the Fourth Watch, and I ask everyone listening right now to to just intercede for protection and provision for your ministry as you take on great challenges in the spirit realm. And I know that uh, as believers, we have got to come together in one accord. And I want to ask everyone, when you go back and listen to those prayers and you pray those prayers, come just come into that in agreement. If you do not come in agreement to those prayers, you will not receive the blessings of those prayers. Until we meet again next week, God bless and good night. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.